Welcome to This Week in Crime, a true crime podcast about crimes that happened this week, but not this year. I'm Coda. I'm Crystal. I'm Sleepy. Who goes first? I don't know. You just asked me that, and I didn't answer. Yeah, I, didn't I thought you were on your phone, and I thought you were looking up who was going to go first, but I guess you're not. Mm. My mm-hmm. case is on Angie Samota, or Angela, whatever. But you've heard it on Morbid, and they did it a lot better than I did because they had in-depth research, and I did mine last night after I had been drinking because I forgot. Um... So she was born on September nineteenth, nineteen sixty four, in Pennsylvania. God damn. Yeah. A long time ago. <laughs> Where she studied, um, like after high school, she went to college and she studied computer science and electrical engineering, which is very good. I know the story for somebody born in the sixties because that's a male dominated area, especially in the sixties. Yeah, good for her. And not the sixties. I guess it was like the eighties by then. It's still, but still. Every, I mean, it's a male dominated field now. Yeah. Did you see the thing that we have in toys? That's Miss Monopoly. No. It says Miss Monopoly, and then underneath it says the first game where women women make more than men. Like, way to reverse sexism, but it's still sexist. Yeah. <laughs> still, I, I don't like the pandering. I don't like the vagina pandering. Yeah. My oh. vagina does not want to be pandered to. I want to show Cody because it's fucking obnoxious. <laughs> My cystic vagina. <laughs> Stop. And that's in banter. There's a woman that works where we work that has a cystic vagina. <laughs> um, so, the case happens on October 12th. 1984, where Angie and two of her friends, one of them was a male and one of them was a female, uh, went out to a ste- to the Texas State Fair, which is, like, one of the biggest things in Texas, and I think Morbid said, like, it brings in hundreds of thousands of people every year. Honestly, the Texas State Fair sounds like a good time. Yeah. Like, I, I want to go to the Kentucky State Fair, but it's, like, far away. Where is it? I don't know. It's in Kentucky. Yeah, huh? Uh-huh. So are we. How far <laughs> is far away? I, I, I just know that it's, like, pretty far south from us, like, to where it would be inconvenient to go to. Yeah. But, like, that sounds like a good time, and Texas sounds like that, but more. Yeah, any state... Everything's bigger in Texas. Any state fair is really fun. Like, those are the biggest ones, because we went to, um, People die at the Ohio State Fair, so... Well, me and Cody went to the Indiana State Fair in Indianapolis, because, like, we were vacationing for something. I think it was to celebrate... Not celebrate, but, like, I- I'm home now from my trip to Germany across the world, so let's go on vacation. What a time. I came home from vacation and went on vacation. I get it. I'm rich. But we went, and... It just so happened to be within walking distance of where we were staying on the weekend that we were staying. And they had a big wall of Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And they were like, put a sticker um, from where on, like, on the board of where you're from. Because, like, they know that they bring a shit ton of people in from the tri-state area. But regardless, they went to the Texas State Fair. And, like, a fun fact about this male friend that they brought was this was a guy that I think she went to school with. And he asked her out. But she was like, no, I have a boyfriend. Sorry. But, like, they were still kind of cool. Um, and she wanted to bring him along to make him feel like not a piece of shit. The Kentucky State Fair is in Louisville, so actually not that far. And I would say that we could go, but it was last month. We'll go next summer. I'm great. Vision board it. <laughs> um, and her boyfriend, she like invited her boyfriend to go, but her boyfriend said that he couldn't go because he worked as like a, he was a construction manager. So he like was pretty important and he couldn't just not, not go to work the next day. And he had to work early in the morning and he was like, I don't want to stay out at the fair with you guys, but you guys have fun. Um, and so it sounds like a healthy relationship. It just sounds like a relationship that I will never be in. Um, and so he just stayed home and they, the three of them went. And then after they got done at the state fair, they went to a dance club. And they, like, probably had drinks and probably hung out there. And they left about 1 a.m. And after that, Angie was apparently the one that drove. So maybe she didn't drink because she sounds like the designated driver. Dropped off both of her friends. And then, apparently, what Mormon said was that she lived close to where she was dropping her friends off at. But she wanted to go all the way to her boyfriend's house to say goodnight to him. 
<laughs> so she did. It was just like half an hour. I think they said like 20, 30 minutes away. Uh, stood at the door. Definitely sounds him, like she was drinking. Hugged him and kissed him. And <laughs> then said good night and left and went to her house. I don't even do that. And my boyfriend lives at my house. <laughs> um, so soon after, like, she had left and around the time, like, a little bit after she would have gotten home, her boyfriend said that it was, like, 2 a.m. Her boyfriend said that she called him and she was like, hey, I need you to, like, talk to me. And he was like, yeah, I can, but why? And she was like, I don't know, there's this guy that knocked on my door and he said he wanted to come in and use the phone and is in my house, I think. So that's a bad time. So he stayed on the phone with her until, uh, like, the phone got disconnected. Oh, no. Yeah, and so then he calls, like, he goes to her house. And he either, like, on his way to her, to her house, in his, like, little construction van, truck, there's a, he's, like, so high up that he has a phone inside of his car. Which makes me think of the Home Alone scene in Home Alone 2 where he's, like, in the limo drinking fucking sparkling juice, d- dialing the phone for pizza. But he dials the cops there. Um, uh, like, on his way there, and he says, like, I got a weird call from... Uh, my girlfriend and she probably needs like cops or something because it's weird and I don't know what's happening. Sounds like a bad time. Yes. And I heard another podcast pointed out. Well, just to fill up the space while Crystal's Googling that, you know what I found out that my pet peeve is? Hmm. Podcast podcasts that are only five minutes long. Yeah. Because that's how the, like, the Today in Crime basically is and they're like, this is podcast and he, I'm going to spend 15 minutes introducing myself, seven minutes of content and 15 minutes of closing the podcast. Which works if it's a two hour long podcast, does not work if it's like seven minutes long. Yeah. So this podcast I actually liked and I started listening to and I think I followed called Killer Vibes, but uh, they brought up a point that I didn't even think about when I was researching where they said, why didn't Angie call the cops instead of her boyfriend? But this is like, this is the early 80s and they said that at the time, uh, like where she lived in and not everywhere in America had 911 coverage, so she couldn't just like dial 911, but also not everybody knew that 911 was a thing, which is why it's plastered literally everywhere, because there are probably a lot of people that like didn't dial 911 because they didn't know 911 existed and died. Yeah. Also, like, we had that guy knocking on all of the, like, apartments in our, like, building. And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't live in... I live in what looks like a house, but it's really an apartment building. And I didn't think to call the police. Like, I called my dad. Mm -hmm. So, I probably wouldn't call the police either unless somebody was, like, actively, like, I thought they were going to break into my home. Yeah. Um, so he gets there, and the cops get there, and the cops... Like, he gets there, he's knocking on the door, and you won't answer. And so the cops get there, they knock on the door, probably more aggressively, and she still doesn't answer. So at this time, they, like, find a way to contact the apartment manager, and the apartment manager wakes up at, like, the middle of the night and lets the cops in. And then when they go inside, the cops find, um, Angie's dead body, like, that had been stabbed, like, 18 times, and had been raped, and she had been, she had been stabbed in the heart and, like, died of a heart wound. Okay, I remember Morbid doing the story, but I don't remember any of the details. How long was it, do you know, between when he left and, like, got there? I was like, talking about it. Okay. Because like, I feel like that's not that long. Not enough time to rape somebody. Yeah. Um, what they think... I think Morbid said that, like, she had been stabbed so aggressively in her heart that her heart was not in her chest cavity anymore. Ugh. But that might have been a different case, but I think it was this one. Because I listened to it today. My, like, thighs clamp up. I yeah. didn't like that. Um, and there's a theory that the police get during the investigation where they think that like it it was probably only like 20 30 minutes max but probably like 15 20 minutes in the dead of the night so there's no traffic for him to get there and what they said was they think that she was actively being raped and murdered while he was knocking on her door oh yeah and and then uh, either killer vibes or morbid talked about how 
uh, like, why didn't she scream? Like, why couldn't her boyfriend hear her scream? And it's like, yeah, but she might have felt, like, too threatened. She could have been being smothered, could have been stabbed in the windpipe, could have been taped up on her fucking mouth. She wasn't, because they would have found that. But, like, a lot of things could have stopped her from screaming. He also could have said, don't scream or I'll kill you. Yeah. In which case, she would have not screamed. So, she didn't scream. But, that, like, that's what the police, I think, told him is, like, she probably was alive when you got there and dead when Aww, we got there. Don't tell that to people. I know. <laughs> Um, Some things you can just keep to yourself. <laughs> so the police suspected her friend who had gone with them to the fair tonight that, ma- that night, that male friend who was an architect, and then suspected her boyfriend, obviously, because it's always oh, yeah, the little, boyfriend. The little shit fuck. I yeah. forgot about him. Um, so this happened in 1984, and it, left, it was left unsolved until 2008, because around 2006, Detective Linda Crum was put on the case, and she used... So, between the 80s and 2006, the, the DNA stuff had come forward a lot. Like, it had been improved well. So, they could finally use the DNA that they recovered on the scene to run it in the database and, like, do some actual research on this. But they said that they reopened it because her friend Sheila, Sheila would not stop, quote-unquote, badgering the cops. Good. Um, and so, this is a part that's, like, not on the Wikipedia page that I looked at, but it was in Morbid where they talked about Sheila had, uh, she went to the cops and she said, I know this is ridiculous, but I had, uh, at night, my friend visited me, Angie visited me, and told me that, like, I have to keep working on this case. And she had this big epiphany of, like, I'm not going to let my best friend, who was her roommate and her best friend, uh, like, just have her case unsolved. And so they were, they did a lot of things where she, like, went to the cops and they, they had the story all planned out that it was their friend, their mutual friend, that architect, that boy. And the cops told her, told them, told Sheila the case that they had built of like, this is what happened, this is why I did it, this is how I did it, and this is when he did it. And they even so much as sent her out to dinner with this friend, wired, trying to get him to admit to murdering her. But like his story didn't change. And so they couldn't convict him on anything because he was telling the truth. He didn't do it. Um, but, but also, I feel like after 20 years of saying that you didn't do it, why would you go out to dinner and be like, I did it? Well, it wasn't like 20 years. It was around the same time, I think. I thought this was later. I mean, the case was reopened and, like, started to be solved later. But, like, at the beginning, she kept badgering them. She badgered them for, like, a long time before it got I, reopened. Still, I just feel like you wouldn't go out to dinner and be like, guess what? Yeah. I fucking did it. I don't know. But like, uh, That's why I don't believe a single jailhouse informant. Yeah. But, like, she completely, like, the cops uh, convinced her that he did it, and she believed that he did it, so she, like, was mad at him for a long, long time, and all this other stuff. And also, I think Killer Vibes brought up that fact that, like, it was the 80s, and that was, like, during a time when you especially did not question authority at all. I would not have done well in the 80s. Yeah, and so the cops were like, he did it, and she went, yeah, okay, sounds good. Um... But in 2006, when they ran the DNA, they ran the DNA against, like... So, in 2006, they put the DNA in the system. In 2008, they were putting another criminal in and ran his DNA, and it got cross-referenced with this DNA that they put in in 2006. And this DNA got them... It pointed them in the direction of a man named Donald Bess, who, at the time, he was on parole for a 25-year sentence. And... The case, yeah. At the time of the crime or at the time of... The DNA. The DNA, okay. Yeah, the DNA, he was, like, out on parole for, like, a 25-year sentence of, I think, aggravated rape. Uh, 
so they went they they connected him to the case with dna which is like basically undisputable evidence and so they went into trial in 2010 but when they went to trial for him and this murder case he was already in prison for life great he had already gotten the life sentence um and he got that life sentence for aggravated assault and kidnapping well he had been to jail before for aggravated assault and kidnapping but he was sentenced to life for aggravated rape uh aggravated kidnapping and sexual assault Sounds like a bad time. Yes. And so in 2010, when he was on trial, his we- his ex-wife came and testified against him that no, man. he abused her and abused his children. So, like, he doesn't have good character at all. Um, and then he was eventually found guilty due to, due to like, the DNA, because, like I said, it's basically undisputable evidence. And on June 8th, 2010, he was sentenced to death. And then... There's a bunch of times in March, like, on March 6, 2013, he had had applied for appeal and it was denied. And then on August 13th, 2013, he tried to make a petition against, like, I guess his death. And then on June 13th, 2014, it was denied. And as far as Morbid knows, which I think their episode came out, like, a month or so ago, he's still on death row. Good. But he's been on death row for, like, five years, and I don't know what death row is versus, like, prison, but it might as well be life in prison. Death Row is just, it's, like, very isolated. It's basically, like, SEG. Yeah. They're just, like, incredibly isolated, and they only get to get out of their, like, little holes, like, an hour a day. Which, like, good. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah. But that's my case. And they talked to, okay, that's not my case. The (laughs) Sheila was talking about how, when the DNA came back, that it wasn't that guy that she thought that did it for, like, 20 years. She apologized completely to him of, like, I'm sorry that, like, I was convinced that you did it and that I was mad at you for however many years. Um, And he was a very good guy, and he said that it's okay because if it was somebody that I loved and somebody close to me, which it kind of was, but they were kind of just acquaintances, that I would have done everything in my power to get that case solved. So I I don't blame you for thinking that it was me if the cops told you that it was me. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I remember that. That was This is the one... Where she said that her friend visited her like a ghost, mm-hmm. right? And was like, don't let them. Yeah, and then that friend becomes like a personal investigator. That's how that. Yeah. That's how she got the cops to like, like listen to her. Is she became a personal investigator and built her built her portfolio with like researching neighbors that yeah. were cheating, and that's how like she solved the cases on those. And then the cops were like, hmm, maybe she we should listen to her because she's kind of smart. Yeah, because I was thinking about like what a fucking commitment. But yeah, like, if my best friend, Crystal, got murdered, like, you better believe that I'd be the biggest pain in the ass. Like, <laughs> what a long commitment. Yeah, she went to college. Oh, I changed my entire career trajectory because somebody murdered you. Yeah, but the best part, besides, like, the fact that her and that friend are, like, close, still close, like, now, and they, like, talk and whatever, they're friends, and they're chill again, um, she is continuing to be a PI. Nice. Yeah. Good for her. Um, I have the story of Eric Randall Nance, which is a terrible fucking name. And it, do you remember Recess? Okay, well, it's this dumb cartoon, and the, just, like, it's about a school. Oh, yeah, I and never watched that. And the school snitch is named Randall. I thought you meant Recess, Recess in elementary school, and I went, no. <laughs> do you remember Recess? Um, he was born January 9th, 1960. And he, like, worked... Okay, there's not a ton known about, like, his early life. But he worked as, like, a heating and air technician. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's just skip right to the shit that he did. Right. On October 11th, 1993, he was um, being a bad person. 
on the road, specifically U.S. Highway 270 between Malvern and Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, Arkansas. Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) And he, like, he was driving along and he just, like, fucking saw this great opportunity of this 18-year-old girl. Her name was Julie Heath and she had broken down on the road going to visit her boyfriend in Hot Springs. And he was like, oh, I will help you. And he was like, get in my car and I will drive you to your... I will drive you home to Malvern because she had, like, just been with her boyfriend. And she'd left Hot Springs, Arkansas, and then, like, had to go... Was going home and her car broke down. And so instead of helping her and not being a piece of shit, he proceeded to rape her. I would just call AAA, but okay. Well, this is 1993. You're telling me AAA didn't exist in the 90s? I'm telling you that there was no way for her to call them because she didn't have a cell phone because it was 1993. People had cell phones in the 90s. Not 18-year-old girls. People's jobs had cell phones. Chandler had a cell phone in 1993. (laughs) Yeah, a big one with the antenna. Yeah. (laughs) Aesthetic. Now that's a fucking aesthetic. Imagine. People in the 90s would be insulted. I know. Um, he was- he then proceeded to murder her. And he was seen in a convenience store wearing no shoes, no socks, and no shirt. And if no I so learned, <laughs> that's the joke I was gonna make. <laughs> Bam! Don't steal my jokes on my case. Uh. Um, according to the clerk, there were fresh, dark, damp stains on his overalls, and that raised no alarm bells. <laughs> Is it s- semen? No, I, I believe it's blood. Oh. I think semen is not dark. It is if it dries. Um, so she was later, she was found a whole week later, a whole ass seven days later by a hunter and her throat had been cut and they took pictures of like the, like the crime scene, Mm -hmm. like for evidence, but she had, she was fully clothed, but her belt buckle was partially undone and her belt, her pants zipper was like not pulled up all the way and like her shirt was like tore up and also he put on her, so he raped her and then he redressed her. And put her socks and panties on inside out. <laughs> it sounds like my boyfriend trying to dress me now alive. Or not alive, but, like, not raping me. Um, and then he, like, had her... He, like, didn't put her bra, like, her titties back in her bra. He just let her bra, like, stay up there. He's like, nobody will notice. My coworker was talking about, like, how our store manager is, said something about bras, and she said something, and he got uncomfortable and walked away, and I wanted to say, like, yeah, because he doesn't know how to work them. <laughs> he doesn't. They're a mystery. Um, they also, okay, this is how crazy science is all the time. Mm -hmm. They found a pubic hair of hers in Nance's pickup truck, and they were like, that is her pubic hair. Like, that's wild. Like, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know he just doesn't have feminine pubes? Well, they probably DNA tested it. I think pubes have the same DNA as hair hair. But you have to get, like, the root to get the DNA, which means it didn't just, like, fall out. It, It like, plucked out. (laughs) Nance said that he killed her on accident. Of course. Because after they, he was raping her, and then he had a knife to, like, threaten her with. And she became very hysterical. Yeah. And started kicking him. She thrashed onto my knife. I'm sorry. Basically. And he, like, put his hand up to stop her from kicking him after he raped her and accidentally stabbed her in the neck. Yes. Um, and this version of events was told at his court trial by his brother and sister, who Nance had told them to. Like, Nance said, hey, guys, when we go into the courtroom, tell him that she stabbed herself because I told you so. And they got up there and went, he said. <laughs> um, so he was found guilty of felony murder, uh, duh, with attempted rape as the underlying felony. And I don't understand how it was attempted and not 
rape. Maybe his penis was so small it didn't oh. stretch out for Dinah. Um, during the, during the sentencing phase of the trial, it was revealed that Nance was fucking on, on, what do you call it? Not on parole. He was out, he had just gotten out of jail for beating two Oklahoma girls. I just want to say that rape is some tiny dick shit. Yeah, for sure. That's tiny dick energy. Um, for beating two Oklahoma girls in 1982. And... The jury found that there were no mitigating circumstances in the case for why Nance should not be able to die. <laughs> so they sentenced him to death on March 31st, 1994. And so, like, for some reason, all of my cases are this person got the death penalty and then said that they were too disabled to die. <laughs> um, so his lawyers argued that it would be unconstitutional under Atkins versus Virginia because to, to execute him because he was retarded. And I'm not saying he was retarded. He said he was retarded. Like, I'm not... That, those were his words. Um, a psychologist said that he had an IQ below 70, but another... A psychologist said he had an IQ below 70, but a psychiatrist said, no, you're full of shit. He has an IQ of 105, which is above average. <laughs> so, he was literally the opposite. So smart, he's dumb. Yeah, uh-huh. should try that defense one time. <laughs> Won't work. You can try um, and the defense argued that the DNA test could, could not show that the pubic hair, or could show that the pubic hair did not come from Heath. But, like, did they have DNA in 1993? Was that invented yet? I don't think so. It was, like, starting, but it probably wasn't good. Yeah. Apparently not good enough for this. Um, on October 17th, 2005, the Arkansas Parole Board recommended with a vote of 6 to 1 that he, that they don't, that... The Arkansas Parole Board told the governor with a vote of 6-1 to one to not give him clemency, which means to not take him off death row. And the dissenting vote said that they just wanted to, they wanted to talk to him more to see if he was retarded. They were like, maybe, but let's see. And the execution was like, stayed once and they thought like, oh, maybe, 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 but no. He was executed on, he was executed on November 28th. Um... There was, like, a, a st that day, the, the execution was stayed, and then they were like, no, just kidding, go ahead with it. <laughs> so it was, like, stayed, and it happened the same day. His final meal... <laughs> his final meal was two bacon cheeseburgers, french fries, two pints of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, and two Coca-Colas. And this was the case where we were sitting in the break room, and I was like, I don't understand how people can eat right before they die. Like, I feel like that would kill my appetite. I didn't have to worry about bloating. I think I said that. And the break room as well. You said you don't have to worry about a bowel movement. That too. And then we talked about how he's just going to shit his pants anyway. Yeah, but you won't be alive for the embarrassment. He'll just be dead. <laughs> he did not make any, like, he didn't have any last words. Um, and he was given a lethal injection, and he, like, it was the first execution by the state of Arkansas since 2004, but he was executed in 2005. So, like, it was only one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you having a hard time counting to one? <laughs> no. They just phrased that weird. They were like, it was the first execution since this date one year ago. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what the fuck that meant. Um, Although Nance offered no last words, his spiritual advi advisor yelled, may God have mercy on our souls, which startled some witnesses. And startled me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in 1995, while he was in prison, he started writing with this guy named James Nelson. Who was an Irish tenor, which I thought that was like a, a thing. 
Like, I thought that meant something, but it turns out it's just an Irish man who sings tenor. Yeah. Um, and he's very critical of the death penalty, which, like, most Europeans are. Uh, and through their friendship, Nelson realized that Eric's only mean of escape from his hell purgatory was through his letters, his memories, and his dreams. Which, like, if he had already gotten out of prison for beating the shit out of women. Like, he already got out of jail, and he just kept doing the thing. So, like, I don't think he gets an escape now. I think maybe he needs to live in his hell. But with fellow Celtic tenors, which is, like, their band, but not a band, but, like, a band. <laughs> what do you call a band that doesn't play instruments? A bad band. <laughs> yeah. They were that. Uh, Niall Morris and Matthew Gilzenin. Um, Nance wrote them a poem, and Nelson said it's music, and they called it Eric's Song. But after Nance's execution, they released it on their album, Remember Me. So, that was a bad man who got a song written about him. Great. Great. That's my case. Okay, you run through socials and then we'll banter. Find us on the internet at This Week in Crime. We also got a new hosting platform, so if there's anything funky or wrong with it, or something's weird or doesn't translate well, email us at thisweekincrime at gmail.com and we'll try to fix it. You won't email us, though. So. You, you won't, bitch. <laughs> Fucking pussy, you won't. Um, yeah, also we have ads now. If that offends you, email us. And yeah. you can give us a dollar and we'll send you our raw audio. Yeah. Or just, like, the Wikipedia pages we covered. Yeah. Anyway. I'll send you the links of the Wikipedia pages. I'll send you a fucking, like, to Morbid. I'll just <laughs> save you the time. If you give us $7, we'll sign you up for Morbid's $5 tier. <laughs> That's my pyramid scheme. Great. Now is the part for the banter that you guys don't like. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> so today we pulled off a great heist at, on our coworker. Yeah. Oh yeah! I was like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking about?" Even though it just happened. Mm-hmm. No. Um. So we have a coworker who is also a manager who just like has a bad time at work every day, but she's really sweet, and I don't understand how she's so positive at like all the time, but she is. And so we decided to get her, like, a Halloween present, because Halloween is the best season ever. Uh-huh. Um, and so we got her this, like, whole candy basket full of, like, candy, and I crocheted her some candy corn, and she made, like, a little cross-stitch of a, a ghost. And, first of all, uh, okay, so we had the whole con- one time she's driving me home from work, and she get- we had this whole conversation about how she doesn't like to kill bugs, because I was telling her about the bugs in my apartment. And she was like, no, I can't kill bugs, like, ever. And then she said one time, like, she saved a cricket, but then her cat knocked over the glass that it was under and then ate it. And she was like, well, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, well, that's fine because, like, it's my cat and it's an animal and, like, I kind of don't care. That's natural selection. But I can't kill them myself. And so... That reminds me of whenever I have, like, a bug in my house, I just hold my kitten yeah. up to it to eat it because I can't kill it because I'm scared. That's what I told her. <laughs> but um, she said... So today, uh, when she picked me up, and when she got us, like, from work, I said, hey, I caught a grasshopper this morning under a cup. Like, can you come get it? Because I'm, she knows that I'm scared of bugs. And I said, because I don't want to take it outside. And one time, a grasshopper kicked me, and I screamed, which is true. I was, there was a grasshopper stuck to my sticky trap, and it was still alive, and it was still moving around. I felt really bad for it, so I tried to let it out of the sticky trap, and it died anyway. Oh. Yeah, but I, I tried my best because it's a grasshopper, but, like, I was trying to pry it off with a spoon, and I could feel it kick back on the spoon, and I dropped the spoon. <laughs> Oh, man, you squished him. Not on him, but, like, on the ground. 
Um, and so she was like, yeah, I'll come do it. And then I had a little piece, a little note that said, like, just a gift for you, Jen. And then a fake plastic, like, bug underneath the cup. And she, like, lifted it up really slowly. And she looked at it. And she thought, like, that was it. Like, it was just a joke. And it was that was her gift. It was just, like, a funny joke. Haha, what a good time. And it was sitting right in front of these this gift basket and this gift bag and a card. And she was like, this is a good present. And I was like, okay, but that, also, that is also yours. And then she just, like held the candy basket to candy basket to her chest and was like this is so fun yeah she's like looking through it she's like guys this is so sweet and uh, we're both sitting there like uh, there's yeah. more yeah but wait there's more yeah and then we had to say well like well that um gift bag is yours and so she opened it up and we had so like one time she was driving me home she had this whole conversation about how she went to um this the store called the christmas tree shop and i don't know like if it's regional because i think Burl- burlington's pretty regional for us like it's not at many places really yeah weird there wasn't one in bowling green so like even as far as bowling green there isn't a burlington that's weird yeah but it's like this catch-all store or whatever where she there's like a halloween section and there was a cookie jar that she wanted but she couldn't justify spending that much money on a skull shaped cookie jar with some spider webs on its head so like uh she said it was like 25 dollars, and i was like that's fine that'll be the big ticket item and i'll get it for her but it was only 13 which makes me feel a lot better and i bought her a tiny bowl to compensate that was so cute yeah it was like a tiny bowl that was shaped like a witch's cauldron that had purple stuff oozing over the sides and it said uh witch's brew and she really liked that and a wine glass that said here for the booze but like boo like a ghost with a little ghost on it um what else was in there i got her the set of three coca-cola chapsticks which is like coke and then cherry coke and then vanilla coke and i just wanted them for myself but i couldn't justify buying them for myself so i bought them for her um what else is in there's like a little over the door hanger for halloween that we got from dollar tree we got a lot of stuff from dollar tree but like it doesn't look like it's from dollar tree which is the best part yeah could have got her an inflatable yeah witch's a little hat. witch's hat i thought that was really cute when i bought it but then today she opened it and i was like maybe that wasn't as cute as i thought it was but she still liked it yeah no she loves shit like that she's yeah um and she got her some fabric because she's like real crafty yeah she's ridiculously crafty now i get it and then some like hairpins that look like skeleton hands those are fun and I got her a little hand sanitizer that said thank you for everything, but I don't think she got that. She was just like, oh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> um, but it's okay. She really liked it. And she, she said she, she was, like, about to cry, but she has great willpower and, like, treats us like her children. And she obviously probably doesn't cry in front of her children because she doesn't want her children to worry about her. So she doesn't cry in front of us, but, like, she was about to. Yeah, was, you could hear she like, her. she's like, oh, guys. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, there she, it comes. She turned around. She went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she has much more willpower than I do. <laughs> Because I've cried in front of, like, half of my managers. Yeah. I mean, I've only cried in front of one, but he told everybody else. Yeah. So, but it was a good time. And then we got her a card of reasons why trick-or-treating was better than sex, because she talked about how she doesn't get laid. Me fucking funny. funny. Um, so that was a good time. Yeah. And I feel good about it. (laughs) Should I tell him about the sissy vagina lady? Yeah, tell her about the sister (laughs) vagina. You know, don't ever tell her about this podcast. I I don't want to take this down this episode, because I want to leave up the part where we gave her coworker a good gift i i didn't realize that john knew about our podcast yeah because we've talked about it in front of him he just <laughs> never includes himself in conversation yeah i know but it, it was really sweet it was like trying to talk to us but like anyway. yeah he was like everybody has a podcast and we just kind of laughed <laughs> to each other and he was like oh not you guys but just like you know everybody <laughs> and we we're like yeah no we are aware um this lady at work she works in our like pickup department like, I don't know her. Like, I don't know her. Like, I've been in the same room with her a couple times. I'll to be honest, I don't really like her. I don't know her. She came up to me, and she told me about how she's pregnant. Because I run the baby's department. So everybody and their grandma comes up and tells me about what babies they have in their lives. Which I don't really mind that much, because I think it's cute. Like, um, 
the nice one from claims mm-hmm. her sister's having a baby is she yeah that's fun and so like i i like knowing what's going on in people's lives and the cosmetics manager and her baby she's come up to me and talked to me about her baby i'm having a good time and she was like yeah well you know the doctors told me i couldn't get pregnant because i have really cyst- like a really cysty ovaries <laughs> And I was like, what? Because <laughs> people don't tell me that. <laughs> and she told me all about it. And then I tried to relate to her. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, my mom had cervical cancer. And I told her she couldn't get pregnant. And lo and behold, she had my little brother. And I thought that would be the end of the conversation. But it was not. <laughs> she talked to me for 25 minutes about how cysty her vagina is. Yeah. And it was a bad time. I was talking to another coworker, And she came up to me and her while we were talking and she said like is your handheld slow and i was like we were like no and she's like well mine just like got really really slow and i was like you're probably running on four percent battery change it because that like when our handhelds get on like below 10 percent, they shit themselves and but i didn't talk to her i just like didn't want to talk to her but i was like great now we're gonna have to talk to her because my other coworker is nice to everybody and she talks to everybody which means that i'm gonna have to talk to her but my phone rang so i got to run away very fast yeah she came up to me after that, I was, like, on my top, my, like, heart, like, doing my top dog, like, doing my job. And she came up to me, and she's like, I have something to tell you when I get back from lunch. And then walked away, and never came back to tell me. Like, not that I wanted to know, but, like, it was just weird. Like, we're not friends. I don't even know her name. Yeah. She always has her name tag flipped around. And she does it on purpose, because it's never not flipped around. Yeah. Um. But. That was it. Yeah, we had a good day today. Yeah, because our fucking big manager wasn't here. Mm. And that's all I need for a good day, because <laughs> everybody's butthole is, like, a little bit looser. <laughs> Absolutely. I walked by the office, and um, hard lines and apparel and assistants were just in there, just big chilling. One time they ordered a pizza because the boss wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. The whole last pizza. They were like, do we get stuffed crust? And they are like, yes, of course we get stuffed crust. So. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. We're going to the flea market on Saturday. That'll be a good time. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited for that. I like flea markets. I like going to the antique mall, actually, even though I, like, never buy anything. Everything is just always different, and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm gonna turn this off, and I'm gonna force her to watch, like, Halloween baking competition shows. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Bye.